You maybe have noticed in the news and social media this last week that um, there was much attention given to this lion that was killed in Zimbabwe named Cecil. And I think of, of the different comments that I found of, of, of people in relationship to this particular lion and their thoughts of, of towards this dentist in Minnesota who spent 50 grand to go hunt um, and kill this, this lion in, in Zimbabwe. For, for us as a family, it was, it was a little bit different. We, we thought a little bit differently about it, at least Tasha and I. We haven't talked to the kids at all about what was in the news. But I think of, of less than a year ago, our family went to Zimbabwe, and we took the kids on safari. And we drove, and you're, you're driving from... Um, you know, these incredible waterfalls that are there coming across into the, the National Park, Fuenge National Park. And we, we saw all kinds of animals. I mean, just, they were, they were everywhere. And we came to a place of what we really wanted to see was a lion. That was what we wanted to see. And so the kids were just looking everywhere, you know. We played the game, first person to see the lion wins and see who has the hunter's eye, you know, that's going to find the lion, you know. And so... We're, we're looking for a lion. That's just, that's all we want to see. And we came upon a, a, a water hole. And in coming up on it, we see just this incredible male lion. And the kids, I mean, just the, their excitement. They were coming out of their seats and just all of us were. It's just seeing this, this, this powerful male lion. And then having our guide say, that is, that's Cecil the lion. And we watched that lion for days. We saw it with, with its, uh, the three lionesses that were a part of the, um, the pride that, that they had. And Jericho, the other male lion that was there. And they had little cubs that were there. And we watched these lions just every day. It was like, let's find the lions. Let's find the lions. We want to go find the lions. And, and this is the power that these these cats have i mean it's just incredible you see their their paws and you 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 the discussion that went in in our particular vehicles just imagine if that thing hit you you know like i mean there's no chance of survival if that thing hits you you know and we were coming towards the end of our 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 time on safari it was our um Last day there, and we were going to spend the night and leave the next day. And we said, let's take a picture. Let's just take a picture in front of this tree that had been struck by lightning. And it was just this cool-looking tree. So we get out of our vehicle, and we line up. We're, our guide's there. Let's take a picture. We're going to take a picture. You know, he brings out this big rifle. And I'm looking at the rifle, like, you know. And we're, we're just, like, right next to where our tent is that we're staying. And you look at this guy's big rifle. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. If you want to have a rifle, you know, and that's great. And so we, he brings out his rifle. We take our pictures. We get back in the vehicle, and we start to drive. And we, we couldn't have gone more than, I don't know, 100 yards. And here we see Cecil walking towards us with three lionesses. Just, I mean, I was so happy he had that gun with him once I saw how close those lions were to us. And our guide said these, these lions are, are hunting right now. And so we watched them for two and a half hours. We watched them. And we watched 
Cecil up on the hill, and he was there, and he would be looking at the lionesses, and three of them went off in different areas, and this went on for two hours. You'd see them, you know, walk through the brush. They would look at each other, and then they'd keep walking, and it, it was just incredible. The kids are watching. We're all seeing all that's taking place, and then, and then yeah, we're listening to the guide. He's saying Cecil's hunting Jericho. He's back with the cubs right now. He's watching the cubs, and you see all these lion, these three lionesses and, and Cecil, the lion there, and they're planning their hunt for the zebra. And all of a sudden, you, you, you see them all start to run. And this zebra ran within, I don't know, eight feet, probably less than that of our vehicle. The zebra ran right by. Two lionesses came right by. Mama zebra was running up on the hill making horrific noises and and another lioness was coming from that direction. And we watched it come right past our vehicle. And then Cecil, the male lion, comes down the hill like, like a freight train. I mean, you could just see this thing coming down the hill. And it grabbed that zebra by the neck and flipped it over. And, and it, was, it was the most amazing thing that I have ever seen as far as, like, just Cool. It, it, it was so cool to see. And the kids are like, yeah. I mean, just, if you see the zebra, I mean, just the power of this thing coming down, hitting this, this zebra and flipping it over. And they start eating it. And we're, we are as close as, as from me to four rows back of watching this, the, the, these lions eat this, this zebra. And the, the, the zebra's raising its head. You know, and, and, and they're like eating it and, and it's half gone and it's all, you know, and like, and Tasha says to the kids, you don't, you guys, do you don't need to watch this because you can smell the blood coming at you. I mean, it was, it was so nuts. Tasha's like, you guys don't need to watch this. And I'm like, no, you do. You do. <laughs> like, you'll never see this again. Watch this. Just watch. You've got to watch what's happening. You'll never see this again. And so we watched and. Our kids are scarred, but it, they watched. The, <laughs> in their minds, it was the neatest thing that they'd ever seen. But um, we, we were so excited to see all this take place. And, and, and then to hear that someone shot the, the Cecil, the lion. To us, it wasn't just a news story. We're sitting there like, how do we tell the kids? Well, they love Cecil. That's all they talked about was Cecil, the lion, you know? And, and I thought, like, if to, to me, I was, I, was, I mean, I'm, I'm not, like, anti-hunting or anything like that. But to me, it was just this idea of this lion is just the power and majesty of this thing. And to think, like, I mean, I could have shot the thing 50 times on that trip with no problem. I and mean, it was just always within just feet of us laying there. And, you know, it, it didn't seem like a challenge at all. I mean, if you're going to go, like, biblical style with a jawbone, I mean, have at it. But to, to have, like, a bow and arrow where you can't miss, like, I mean, it's one of those things where... To us, it was like, why would I kill that? You know, like there's so many animals you could have killed. And yet there was a certain amount of emotion that was stirred with us where it's just like, it's not just a lion, that's Cecil. That's Cecil the lion. We saw him kill a zebra, you know. It's the first lion our kids ever saw, you know. And, and, and to us, there, there was just this, this bond that was there with, with the lion because we felt like we knew it a little bit. It's been less than a year. Well, a lot of times, for us, emotions are different based on, based on what you know. 
based on our ability to see things from maybe a little bit of a different perspective. In our passage before us, we see a horrible circumstance, but we find Jesus seeing something from a totally different perspective. Not only does he know the circumstances, not only does he know all the people that are involved with what's taking place, but he knows the end. He knows the beginning. He knows all of it in its entirety. And he's all-powerful and sovereign. And so in our text this morning, we, we, we see things that maybe will, will spark in you um, emotions based on things that you've experienced in your own life. Times in your life where you think, why, why this? God, why would you have that happen? Circumstances in your life in which you're looking at it and, and your vision of it is very narrow because you only can see what you're able to see. But God sees something far different than what you're able to see. And we find that in our text this morning. It says in John chapter 11 and verse 1, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, town of Mary and, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary had it, it, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now to create the setting here. Mary and, and, and Martha, Lazarus, these are people who are friends of Jesus. It's not people that he met and says, who touched the hem of my garment. These are those in whom he had spent time with. In Luke chapter 10, we find that, that there's the story of, of Mary and Martha and, and, and Martha's serving and, and Mary's there at, at Jesus' feet listening to his word and and. And Martha says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone and therefore tell her to help me? And Jesus answers and says to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. He's spending time with them. She's Martha serving. Mary's listening to Jesus. They're close. And so... Lazarus, their brother, is sick. And so they send word to Jesus. Send a messenger, quick. Somebody, we want to send a messenger to, to Jesus. Just tell, them, tell Jesus, say, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. It's a prayer. It's a prayer directly going to Jesus as a message to Jesus. Lord, the one whom you love is sick. They know that Jesus is going to know exactly who they're talking about. They're not saying, we want you to heal him. We want you to do this or that. They're just saying, please just tell him. The one that he loves is sick. Notice that they don't say, 
the one who loves you is sick. Because there's this part of us where when we pray for a healing, if the basis of our prayer is based on, God, we love you so much. Heal us. Heal my child. Heal my brother. Heal my parent. We love you so much. We're praying to you, and it's us. It's us that worship you, and we love you. If it's based on us, we're going to look, and when healing doesn't take place, we're going to, if we're honest, look at ourselves and say, but I don't love him the way that I should. The quality of my love wasn't high enough to bring healing. It wasn't in a place where I've done enough, where I worshiped enough, where I read enough, where I obeyed enough. He knows, and as a result, the healing didn't take place. They don't at all go to him on the basis of their own merit. They go to him and and just say, the one whom you love is sick. The one that you love, you love him. And he's sick. Well, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of, of God may be glorified through it. And so the messenger would have gone back. What did Jesus say? He he said that this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And I I would venture to say, Mary and Martha, and if Lazarus was able to hear these words, heard these things and thought, it's not unto death, but it's for his glory. Now, notice this is, There's a purpose in Lazarus' sickness. And I believe there's a purpose in everybody's sickness. There's a reason in which God is allowing this to happen, decreeing for this to happen. Specifically, Lazarus being sick, and, and he just says, it's not unto death, but for the glory of God. Or there may be circumstances in our lives in which we look at sickness or disease or other hardships and say, why God, why, why would you ever allow this to happen? And God would say, there's a purpose to it. There's a reason for this. Well, it tells us in verse five, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to just stop there and, 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 and leave that that section, those words are precious. Here, when they say, Lord, the, the one whom you love is sick, the Greek word that they're using is one is, he is one that you love, he is your friend. It's a friendship kind of love. Here in this particular passage, when it says, and Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, we're talking about an agape kind of love, a love that comes from God. And when we look at the passage, just he loves Martha. He loves Mary. He loves Lazarus. He loves them. It's important for us to know that because there's times in our lives where we look and we see, God, please heal this circumstance. Get, get rid of this disease. Bring this person to a place where they're completely healed or completely restored or this relationship is mended or whatever it is. And to be in a place when we're calling out to God in prayer to be able to know that the next text that the Holy Spirit inspired to be written was Jesus loved them. We're not serving a God who does not love us. He loves us. It doesn't mean that he always answers the prayers exactly as we would want him to answer them. But the fact is, is that 
He loves us, and he loves us with the kind of love that can only come from God. And so, verse 6, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. So he hears that he's sick, but does he move immediately? No. I mean, you would think it's, this, this is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They, they sent a message, the one whom you love is sick. Lazarus is sick. And in, in, in their minds, it's, okay, he's going to come immediately. Immediately he's going to come. He's going to come and he's going to just take care of our situation immediately. But does Jesus do that? No. It tells us here that he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Two more days where he was. I know that, that for me there's been countless situations in which I've prayed for something. And the answer to my prayer did not come in my timing at all. It was one in which we kept praying and we kept praying and we kept praying. There's been other times in which we've prayed for a healing and, and we saw it happen just immediately. Think of times of praying for people here within our church. P.J. Sandoval bleeding internally and just Dr. Jim Hendrickson was with me and he's just he's bleeding internally and they don't know why and and we prayed for him the bleeding stops and they can't even figure out where it came from they have no idea we don't know the doctor said to 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 jackie we you know it could be cancer or it could be this and this and this and jackie just melted dr jim hendrickson's like i would not have started with what he started with you know this doctor, I think his name's Doogie, he did not know, he should not have started with that. But it was one of those things where it was just, no, I mean, they have a whole tribe of kids. They, they, it was something where you're, you're just thinking, no. And we prayed and, 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 and healing took place. And yet there's been times where we've prayed and the healing did not take place. Times where we've prayed and the disease continued on. Times where we've prayed and someone has gone home to be with the Lord. But there are times where we pray and the answer does not happen in our timing. It tells us here that when Jesus heard that he was sick, he purposely stayed two more days in the place where he was. Not because he didn't love them, because it just tells us before that he loved them. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Well, the disciples say to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? Recently in that place, they wanted to kill you. Are we going to go back to that same place? And Jesus answers and says, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Jesus is telling them, I have a certain amount of time. I have a certain amount of time to do the will of my Father. And I am going to walk in the, 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 the light. I'm going to walk in the time where there will be no stumbling. I'm going to walk in the time when it's appointed for me to go and to do all the things in which God the Father had called me to do. 
And so it says these things he said. And after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps. But I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Well, Jesus says to them plainly, because he needed to do that with the disciples frequently. Lazarus is dead. He sleeps. And when I'm saying that he sleeps, what I'm telling you is Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. The next words come. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. Why is he glad? He says, I'm glad for your sakes. Lazarus died, and I'm glad about it because of you, my disciples. I'm glad that he has passed because since I was not there, He's passed, and you, you're going to believe. This is going to have an impact on you. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad that I was not there. I'm glad that I did not bring healing at that particular time. Because there's a purpose in it. I am working in your lives. I'm working in the lives of others. I'm working in the lives of those that would be here on this first Sunday of August in 2015 here at Reverence Bible Church. I'm glad for your sakes that he died. That you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow, fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas is probably speaking on behalf of all the disciples, but in their minds is, if we go to that place... They're going to kill him, and they're probably going to kill us now, too. So Jesus says, Lazarus is dead. Let's go. Thomas, let's go, that we might die with him. This is going to be our last venture. We're going to go, and we're probably going to be put to death when we go with Jesus to this place. But you, you see the one that we refer to, we refer to frequently as doubting Thomas, as the one that says, let's go, and we're just going to, let's die with him there. Let's die with him. So when Jesus came, verse 17... He found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Um, it would have been a couple-day journey from where Jesus was to where Lazarus was. He's been in the tomb now four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And so let's, let's paint a picture here of what's taking place, because we, we, if anybody here has been through anything close to this, you know what has occurred? They, they have prayed. They have cried out to God. Please, Lazarus is sick. Tell Jesus the one whom he loves is sick. They, the messenger goes and he, he tells them that. Tells Jesus that. Comes back with the message. The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And so they're watching him and there's no change that takes place just seems to be getting worse. His breathing is getting weaker and weaker. They're waiting to see what's going to happen. When is the healing going to take place? When is Jesus going to come? When is he going to answer the prayer from afar off as we've seen him do over and over again? He said that it's not unto death. 
but now he died. Our brother died. There would have been just weeping and wailing that would have been taking place there in that home. Here's a, a family that, that is two sisters and a brother, and they loved him. They loved their brother. There would have been incredible just grieving that would have taken place as far as he breathed his last. He's gone. We're not going to talk to him again on this side of eternity. Missing him. A day goes by. They're still just broken. Another day goes by. And they're still weeping. And they're still wailing. And they're still just in anguish. And they're still just thinking, why? Why didn't he come? Why didn't he heal him? And another day goes by. And the grieving still continues. And... and if you've gone through grief, you know that it's not something where you just, you get your tears out and it's done. There's just continual grief that's taking place, grieving that takes place, and just weeping that's occurring here. He comes, it's been four days, and he sees that there's those that have joined Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. They've buried him. They've wrapped him on that same day with cloths, anointed him, fragrance with oils they've put him in the tomb they've buried him they've they've had the service they've rolled the stone in front and they've wept four days have gone by and they're still weeping in verse 20 now martha as, as soon as she heard that jesus was coming went and met him and mary was sitting in the house she leaves she goes to see him And Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's a, it's a, it's a precious sentence there. Lord, I, I know that if you had been here, Lazarus, my brother, he wouldn't have died if, if you had been here. Now, part of it is the faith of knowing, I know you could have healed him. If you had been here, I, I know you could have healed him. But also part of it is, why weren't you here? If you had been here, you could, have, you could have healed my brother. You could have kept him alive. I know you could have done it. We sent a messenger to you. Why did you spend an extra two days there? How come it took you so long? We saw you heal other people from 20 miles away. But why... Why did you not heal Lazarus? You love him. I mean, we're not just anybody. We're, we're Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We, we've ate with you. We, we have spent time with you. I, made you. I made you food when Mary was just sitting at your feet. We, we've been with you. But then she goes from there and says... But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And there you see faith, huh? She's thinking back to this sickness is not unto death. If you had been here, he would have lived. But even now, we know that you could ask anything of the Father and he would give it to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection 
in the, at, the last, at the last day. Is that what you're talking about, Jesus? I know that his body's not going to stay in the tomb. I know he's going to rise again at the last day. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? A radical verse, that is, for all of us here this morning. To be able to hear the words of Jesus saying, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the one that causes them to rise again from the dead and gives them life. And whoever believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Most comforting words. I mean, to to know that, that when you breathe your last, even though you may die, you will live again. To be able to know when you breathe your last or your loved one breathes their last here on earth through faith in Christ, whoever believes in him will not die but will live again, will not stay dead but will live again. He is the resurrection and the life. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. You will never die spiritually. Second death will have no power over you. You'll never spend eternity apart from him. But you will live. Do you believe this? He asked her. And she says to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. I believe that. I'm going to go get my sister now. Goes and gets her sister, Mary. The teacher has come. He's calling for you. As soon as Mary hears this, she arose and quickly came to him. She gets up and quickly runs towards Jesus. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. And then the Jews who were in her house, in the house, and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. It's still very raw. Four days have gone by, it's still very raw for her. Let's go. She's going to the tomb. She's going to go weep there. Let's go with her. Let's go with her to follow her. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She says the same, things as, the same thing as her sister as far as, this is something clearly they had talked about. If he, would just, if he just would have been here, if he just would have got the message and came, I know that Lazarus would still be with us. But she runs to him, falls at his feet. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35 says, Jesus wept. 
you, you think of the emotion that I talked about as we began the service with the way that we felt towards Cecil the lion. It, it wasn't like, it's just a lion. There's, I read people saying, people in Zimbabwe have no idea who Cecil the lion is. And yet we, we saw people like very excited. Like, this is Cecil. This is Cecil the lion. Everybody talking, this is Cecil. You got to see Cecil the lion. There's information that we had that made it so that it made it more troubling to us to see it. Think of Jesus. Jesus knows everything that's going on in these people. He sees Mary and Martha and these other people that are with her just weeping, grieving. He knows you. He knows every part about you. Even though he knows what's going to happen, even though he knows that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose, even though he knows what he's going to do in a few minutes with Lazarus, it doesn't change the fact that he just weeps over the circumstances. Love that about our Lord. In seeing Jesus weeping, you hear just right and see the heart of God. Hebrews 1 tells us that God spoke unto us by his Son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Christ is the express image of the Father. In John 1.18, it says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. You don't see the heart of the Father, just look at Christ. And you look at Christ and you see him as he sees Mary there just weeping, Martha weeping, the Jews there weeping. And Jesus just, he weeps with them. His heart just breaks for them. When you're in a place of, of seeing circumstances and saying, God, why weren't you there? Why didn't you do anything here? Why, are you, why were you afar off? How come you didn't answer my prayer? Do you see what we're going through? This is brutal. This is, my, my world is unraveling. And you're weeping and you're weeping and you're weeping to where you don't think that you can weep anymore and you keep weeping. And you just wonder, when is the pain ever going to end? And you're saying, God, where are you? To be able to look at this text and to be able to see Jesus wept. He knows how it's all going to work out. It doesn't change the fact that his, his heart was moved to a place where he wept based upon the circumstances, based upon the hearts of those that he loved. When the Jews said, then the Jews said, see how he loved him? And some of them said, cannot this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? We saw him do all kinds of, he, he opened people who were blind, he opened their eyes and now he's here and he's weeping. He couldn't do it. He couldn't save him. He couldn't save Lazarus. Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and, the to- and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Anybody that has ever been around any animal that has been dead for four days, you know that there's something that's not right. 
I, I went to um, Sri Lanka right after the, the tsunamis hit there. Um, I got there within two days after the tsunamis hit. And um, there were these, these graves that opened. And, and when, they, when we got there and they opened this truck to put the bodies inside this, this open grave, there, there was about six of us. And we, we ran the opposite direction. It wasn't like, oh, that's really bad. We, 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 it was a panic, get out of here as fast as you possibly can because that is the most horrible smell you could ever imagine. And, and I could picture them saying, Jesus, he's, he's been there for four days. There's a stench by now. You don't, you don't want to open that tomb. You don't want to roll away that stone. There's this stench there. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Imagine this. He's in the tomb. Jesus is there. Lazarus, come forth. They're all watching this take place. And all of a sudden you see movement there in that, those cloths that are wrapped around with all of the, the fragrances and oils and everything that's covering Lazarus. And he starts to move. What do, you, what do you think happened in the hearts of Mary and Martha? I mean, it must have been just the most incredible event to be there and to be able to see this one in whom they love, their brother, four days dead. They have been, they have cried to where they didn't think they could cry anymore. They spent the night crying. There's visitors that are there. There's all this weeping taking place. They're saying if Jesus only would have been here and then Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And they see their brother start to move gets up it tells us here in, in in our text that he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth and jesus said to him said to them loose him and let him go it incredible the power of almighty god gets up four days unwrap him let him go. Mary and Martha, have they behold the glory of God? Yeah. Was God glorified? Yes. Was the Son of God glorified? Absolutely. You see that where they know without any doubt Jesus has been sent from God. He just made our brother who was dead for four days come alive. All of the witnesses are seeing all that takes place. And it tells us in verse 45, Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him they believed in him from that day forward saved the radical thing is there's those that were there that saw this and they still didn't believe you'll hear people saying like oh show me a sign god if you show me a sign i'll believe what what more do you want he just made a guy that was dead for four days come alive out of the tomb and there's still those that their hearts are so hard, they're at a place of, yeah, I'm not going to follow him. 
I'm not going to follow him. But there are many who saw that and said, I believe. There is no doubt that he is from God. Some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus did. But the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. If we let this keep going, we're going to lose our positions. Here's the religious leaders. If, if we let Jesus keep making people rise again from the dead and healing the blind and people being cured of leprosy and withered hand and, and lame being made able to walk. If, if we let him keep going, everybody's going to believe in him. Then, then where's our position going to be? They're going to take away our position in society. Incredible wickedness. And one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, said to them, you, you know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that of the whole nation should perish. Not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not only for the nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. And then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to the city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the, Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they saw Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think, that he will not come to the feast, now, both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it that they might seize him. As we look at this, Jesus just brought someone back to life after being dead for four days, and all they could think of is, how can we still kill him? We'll begin looking at this next time we meet, but Briefly, I just want to look at the response of what took place here. In chapter 12, you find that it's at that point that, that Martha's servant and Lazarus is there at the table and Mary took a pound of very costly oil and she anoints Jesus' feet and wipes his feet with her hair. The house is filled with the fragrance of the oil. Lazarus is there. And many are hearing the testimony of Lazarus, of what God did for him. The response of Mary is worship. She's seen the Lord do something that she never imagined that he could do. As far as, if you had been here, you, he wouldn't be dead. But then she sees Jesus Bring him back to life again after four days. And the response is just, let's worship him. Let's pour oil. Let's put it on his feet. And she just begins to wipe his, his, his feet. It goes from anointing him for his burial, which we'll look at, but 
going to where she just starts wiping his feet with her hair. There's worship that takes place because of who Christ is, because what he's done. The same God that said to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. It's the same God who took us from our sins and transgressions, being dead in our sins and said, come forth. Called you by name, come forth. And you did. By the grace of God, you believed upon him, saved for all eternity, because Almighty God called you who were dead in your sins and trespasses, and he made you alive. Not dead four days, but dead until the point where he made you spiritually alive in Christ, the day of your salvation. May our response be like that of Mary and just respond, which is, let's praise him. Let's anoint him. Let's worship him with all that is within us. Let's pray now. Lord God, we thank you for our text this morning, and we just see your power and your majesty. We look at it from your perspective, where we see Mary and Martha being just heartbroken and in despair, but you knew all that was going to take place. May we have hearts that pray like that, that respond like that, but that are able to look at what you saw and to have great confidence in our God, especially in the fact that you have saved us for yourself for all eternity. I pray now that as we continue to worship you in song and in communion, Lord, that every part of it would just exalt you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.